This is PrimerCast episode six, and today we'll be talking about the fifth element. And yeah, so what are your thoughts on it, Hamza? Uh, it's definitely an interesting film. Uh, off the bat, uh, either you like love this film or either you hate this film. It's very polarizing. I'll give it that. Uh, Do you want to give a synopsis? It, yeah, so it starts off in like the 30s, I think, with like archaeologists. And they're looking for this, this they're like in some temple in, Af- in uh, Egypt. And then these aliens stop by. And it's about the fifth element. Uh, it's like this uh, otherworldly thing. And then it fast forwards to like nowadays, like actually in the future. Uh, do you remember what year it is in the future? Uh, I think it's 2000. It's like 300 years later. So like 19... 19- you said 1930s. I thought it was like 1915 or 14 or something. So 300 years later. So it's like 2200, like that century. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. And basically like uh, the, the government, right? They found the fifth element. It's like this girl named Lulu, right? Yeah, Lilu. Yeah, Lilu. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get to her later. But, uh, and then she escapes from this government facility and she finds herself with... Uh, this cab driver, uh, played by Bruce Willis. What's his name again? Um, <laughs> wait, let me think. Okay, let me think. Just, oh, yeah, Corbin, Corbin Dallas. Corbin yeah, Dallas. Corbin Dallas, it. yeah. By Bruce Willis. Uh, this is probably the only, like, his last Bruce Willis performance. He actually tried a bit. So, like, he actually tries in this movie. And after this, he doesn't try at all. So, mm-hmm. um, and basically, the thing is that the thing is that Lilo is actually a human embodiment of the fifth element. And when you combine the fifth element with the other four elements, which are basically rocks, it's supposed to destroy this giant ball of evil. And yeah. that's basically the whole <laughs> plot, like how they get to it. And um, did you like it or did you not like it? That's what I want to hear. I liked it personally. Nice. I'm on the opposite end, dude. Oh, fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I didn't I did not um I did not I had there are very few things that you know really that I really liked about this movie mm-hmm. unfortunately and I wish I did like a lot more but as a movie um it seemed very inspired by a lot of 80s and 70s sci-fi but it never delivered on the same level yeah, death is a hodgepodge of like, stuff. Like, let's talk about the opening scene. So you start off in Egypt, right? You start yeah, off that's in very, Egypt. like, yeah, Indiana Jones vibes, you know, like, uh, yeah, ni- like 1940s classic like, adventure movies. Yeah, and, th- and then you have this uh, scientist or whoever, and uh, he's just basically rambling to himself, and in the middle, he's like, Aziz, light, and, you know, <laughs> like, like no, and his, he has an assistant there, right, who's played by Luke Perry. And uh, mm-hmm. like he's just drawing a picture of a ship. So I think that I thought there was some like nice visual use of humor there. But other than that, every time he was just he just kept on rambling to himself, like providing exposition for the audience. And other than that, I never saw anything interesting because you know Indiana jo- Jones. Like it just reminded me of Indiana Jones over and over again. And I was just like, you know, it should feel inspired. Like it shouldn't feel like copied. You know. I'm not yeah, saying I mean, it copied, but it, you can see it, right? Yeah, I, I get that. Uh, it definitely does mix a lot of stuff. I think that's why, like, it doesn't have time to focus on one genre. 
because it has like a thousand genres in it. <laughs> like it's sci-fi, it's adventure, it's like archaeology, like it's like drama, romance, all this stuff combined in one. Yeah. And it's it's interesting for sure, but I think I, I do agree with you there. Like it doesn't give each of its like influences enough time to soak in and like. Yeah. Yeah, I like the title cards a lot. There's like this eerie opening and it's very yeah, slick and yeah. stylish. Like the font just come and go. It's like someone's like diving down like a skyscraper or something. And then mm-hmm. it just, uh, then the transition uh, to Egypt is really nicely done. That was like pretty slick. You know, the asteroids, right? It's like the asteroids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, that I really like. But then the exposition and then you have the physical humor here. And then the spaceship arrives, right? Uh-huh. and then you got this oh my god um, the aliens <laughs> yeah, yeah they're kind of it's like I don't it's, know. it's like a bumblebee with a stegosaur dude like that's literally basically what they look like. i don't know how to colonize the world or like how to super race anything because they look kind of yeah no, slow moving yeah yeah they move at the pace <laughs> of a snail you know like <laughs> like <laughs> like <laughs> i'm just trying to like think i mean so they're supposed to be like this very intelligent alien species, right? Yeah, like super intelligent. Like they've mastered space time yeah. travel. And, and for stuff. some reason, they thought Earth was the best place uh, to keep all these stones. And Which then it honestly isn't. I mean, yeah. well, you know. All right, whatever. For the plot, all right? For the yeah. Plot. <laughs> but, but basically, they walk at the pace of a snail. And then uh, they come, they confront the professor. The professor faints. And Luke Perry tries to shoot, and uh, he miserably oh, fails. Yeah. And the thing is that they basically collect the stones, and then what happens is one of them is like stuck for some reason. They're talking in a hallway with the priest. Mm-hmm. Like the priest, oh. is, like the priest is the worst thing. The priest is like, oh, they know too much, and he wants to like poison the professor and kill them. But that doesn't <laughs> happen. And then the aliens just arrive out of nowhere. So I was like, what is going on? Like, what? Why was like why was it written in the first place that the priest had a poison? He was like, they know too much. They know too much. And the aliens came and like. Now they know way too much. So I I really didn't understand the progression of the entire thing because uh, because until because after like the after Luke Perry's character like tries to shoot the stegosaur or whatever, mm-hmm. what does it call like Mondo Shawans? Yeah, that's some name. Like, yeah, Mondo Shawans. Okay, yeah. And then that that's the moment when I was like, oh, this is like. I don't know, man. This feels this feels very cheesy. So it's like really over the top. So I was hoping and maintain it, but then there's also this some sort of seriousness that goes along that doesn't really mix very well, right? For me, at least. So I don't know. How did you feel about that? I think yeah, it definitely is over the top a lot. Uh, it kind of like resembles Spaceballs in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, the main villain of the show is actually the two like the, the evil planet. It's just like it's so like lazy writing, but it also somehow works. You mean with the spaceship and stuff? Like the whole like evil ball of evilness. Yeah, it's like it's pretty lazy writing, but it works somehow. And, and also, this... yeah, the the main villain, what's his the guy with the weird hair? Azorg. Yeah, he never actually meets the main like the uh like the main cat like the other good guys. Yeah, I kinda like that, but I'm just going to get onto that a bit later. Like, I think there's a lot more to talk about it. Oh, yeah, yeah. But coming back to Egypt, right? So basically, mm-hmm. Luke Perry takes a gun. And that force conflict is just so bad. Like, you know, these people are, like, practically indestructible. Like, I mean, 
I mean, like they're in, they're supposed to be intelligent, but then they're like the the key to their lock is like a razor blade or something. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I think this weird thing that comes out and yeah, and then he's like, oh yeah, just keep this razor blade, and this is what will unlock it. And you know, he just he just comes fast enough so that he can just make he can just put his hand through the doors that are closing, and so that the priest can take it, and then they keep that razor blade for three hundred years. <laughs> yeah, the intro isn't the strongest. I'll, I'll give it that. No, I, right. I actually, I, I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm just like pointing at all these things. I think the intro is strong. It's that they don't maintain the same level of cheesiness like later on. Yeah, yeah, it definitely gets a lot more serious afterwards. Because you know, I mean, not not really though. Like it, it, it varies. Like you have like moments of like complete like you know, it goes completely silly and then it goes like also kind of serious. I, and I think. Uh, it didn't strike a balance between the nonsense and between the seriousness because there are movies that can take care of tonal shifts really well, but this is one of those that just doesn't hit the right spot. It's something that's quite difficult to do, and often it's safer to like. I feel it's safer if you stick to one thing, like either you go com- the completely cheesy route, right, uh-huh. or you go- or you just like transition into a serious route for the rest. Although that wouldn't yeah, work, yeah, you know? that's- like at least the fact that you transition, uh, I'm more aware of it. Right, and that's yeah. the thing. Like, it doesn't know where to stick. It just feels like putting all these comedic bits in the middle of all these serious bits, and they just don't gel together really well. Yeah, I, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. it definitely goes yeah. back and forth and doesn't really stand one. Yeah, the military, pretty stereotypical. Like the president, uh, <laughs> he's just like I don't care. First about black that. man in office. Yeah, <laughs> dude, they predicted yeah. Obama like way before. Yeah, I find it funny that all the headquarters are now in New York. Like nothing about Washington; it's just all New York. Like yeah, the whole basically the New entire, York is center of the world. Yeah, and then the whole got, plot is just New York. Yeah, like even though it like talks about Earth as this entire thing, the only focus is it's given as New York. It's just New York. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and uh, did you see a lot of stuff? I I felt like a lot of stuff was just like very very inspired by Blade Runner. Oh yeah, definitely. The flying cars, you kidding me? Not no, not just the flying cars because that's there. Like it's the music and you know the you know, like the association with And like, the over sexualization too of like you Yeah. Know, um McDonald's. The, yeah, yeah, the parallel with the McDonald's <laughs> like the McDonald's ad and the Coca Cola ad, it was so obvious what they were doing. Yeah, yeah. And I'm pretty sure McDonald's paid them a lot for that ad placement, but yeah. And then do you just wanna talk about like how everything on Earth is like weirdly associated with space for some reason. Also, like, it's a lot crappier too. Yeah, it's like, like New York is like a, a, it's hella like it's all like you know decrepit and like falling apart, I, which it is now too. Like New York isn't the you know most cleanest city out there, but you know. Really, I felt like it was the opposite. Like unlike most sci-fi, this like attempted to pre- present everything as if it was in a positive environment, and it's just that. Every three hundred years, this like giant ball of evil comes along and disrupts things, and they had to like fix it, and then they're back to normal. It's like a cycle of sorts. Yeah, like I'm seeing like the set design for the future New York was like interesting. Um, yeah, yeah, and uh, like there's this uh, cigarette thing in this room, which you could, you know, uh, uh, what's his name, Dallas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In this like house, small apartment, there's this like cigarette dispenser to like yeah. stop you from smoking. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Like like yeah. when they, that <laughs> intro scene. Basically, he there's that scene with the priest and like the president like disagrees with the priest because the Mondo Shawans like they come to like deliver the stones, but then they mm-hmm. get shot down by another alien race called the Mangalors. And so yeah, yeah. and so uh, basically the president says the pri- we don't need the priest anymore. Like priest is sort of like a consultant. And then the president decides to just use the help of the military to take care of this problem, which really doesn't work. And then all yeah, of a sudden, no. <laughs> yeah, then all of a sudden it turns into the most cliche thing ever, ever, like the most cliche thing ever when it transitions into Bruce Willis waking up from a dream. Then you have the music and then you have like the cliche with the empty fridge. He can't quit smoking. He's some rundown tough guy. You see all these military medals. Yeah, and- it definitely plays hard in stereotypes, like overused tropes, like almost like noirish tropes. Mm-mm. Yeah. Like Harrison Ford's like this rundown detective. Basic it's basically Blade, Blade Runner, but like with oh, yeah. crazy hairdos. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's an- the an- same an- thing. Yeah. Another thing with Blade Runner, uh Harrison Ford, basically you're introduced to him when he's sitting at this uh I don't know, it's like this Chinese food shop. I don't know if it's Chinese, but it just like the things in Blade Runner, like the culture's mixed, so you can't really say anything, but he's basically being offered food by this Asian uh Yeah, but the noodle shop, cook, yeah. right? And, and the this same- cop comes yeah, yeah. And then in uh, this movie, the same thing happens where, except that this guy's on like some flying boat of some sorts, right? Same, like mm-hmm. another Asian yeah. giving him food. Oh, the flying noodle boat? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, my God. Yeah, there's a lot of similarities between this and Blade Runner. That, that was where like, yeah. I felt like I even gave, like, gave, I, I was like, it's okay, you know, let the McDonald's out. That's, that's still fine. You know, maybe it's just like a coincidence. But when that boat came and I was like, okay. Um, yeah, this is this doesn't feel inspired. This feels like a copy, and you know, I didn't see any originality in it. And along with the fact that Bruce Willis is just a straight man who just has like nothing left to do, he's just some rundown taxi driver. <laughs> yeah, and then the comedy bits with him, you know, I think they're supposed to be funny, but I don't know. I didn't find them. Like, did you find them funny? Because you said you liked the movie. Which bits? Um, there's the one where this. I don't know. I think it. He might be French, but this French guy just comes in like ready to rob him. And oh, that was. I think that was pretty creative. I mean, the the dude had a hat with the in the hallway. That was pretty creative. Oh man, I don't. I I, I don't. I, I guess I don't feel the same way about the scene. Oh, okay. <laughs> because I felt like I don't know. It's just like a daily occurrence. Like some French dude just comes in, like give me all your money, <laughs> and then like he doesn't even know how to use the gun, and it's like. Um, I, I did not like that scene and then he goes on this taxi ride and then you know he meets Lilu Lilu falls in his back do you want to talk about how they create Lilu because I thought that was one of the funniest scenes ever like unintentionally like I, I genuinely laughed out loud like unfortunately I don't think I was Wait, supposed but, to when like the, uh... so they no they start off with like getting the remains of like one Mondo Shawan survivor right like the fifth, oh and they put in the tube yeah, who's holding like the fifth element or something? Yeah, and they like reconstruct Lilu, right? So you want to talk about that scene? And then like the general like peering in while she's like inside the tube. Yeah, no. Is that the part you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, that that scene. But you want to talk about like how they created her, how they re-engineered her? Wait, just in a tube, right? Just put it in a tube and then have yeah, a yeah, machine. yeah, 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 the tube. No, no, no. I was talking about the scene where they take the small bit, right? They say there's like 200,000 something um, genomes or like cells. Oh, 
DNA, I don't know, uh-huh. DNA maps or something. And he's like, humans have only 40 and like this has 200,000 alone. And there's more than enough to like recreate a person. And then they recreate Lilu out of that was played by Mila Jovovich. Oh, so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Like, what do you think about that? Definitely some sketchy, like scientific logic. But hey, if it gets the plot forward. Yeah. Because like, <laughs> because like, I felt like the entire scene was just, I mean, they could have just done this simple. I think the scientist who was like in awe of his creation is like, oh my God, like he's just like starstruck. And that was, that also felt very cliche, you know, like the military and like Bruce Willis. And yeah. You got almost the, like Frankenstein-ish. Yeah. Yeah. There's some Frankenstein-ish yeah. elements to it, which I, which I like. That was, that was what it reminded me of. And I thought that was like a really nice touch. But then at the same time, uh, there's this, what's the dialogue? Um, they wrap her around in tissue and then they just wrap like enough so that, <laughs> so that oh, you can yeah, still see her skin. It, like, keep it like PG-13. <laughs> yeah, they just wrap it enough so that they can keep it PG-13 and still like uh, <laughs> like all the fanboys who are like interested in this stuff. Like, <laughs> it's like it's like such a 90s thing to do. I was like, oh my God. Like, you know, you know, you, I can, think, use a, you, you can afford to use a little more tissue, you know? like Yeah, not- I think this, this is a little <laughs> bit more. Uh, I think the director actually like dated who the actress who played Lilu oh. like after the movie. Oh, yeah. Really? Like he he divorced his wife and dated her. <laughs> oh, that. this is the movie? <laughs> I think so. Okay, okay. Let's let's not focus on the personal life, but let's just let's just talk about that scene alone, maybe. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, so she's wrapped up like just barely enough tissue, right? You know, just yeah, like, and then like the bare minimum. Yeah. And like I, I just noticed that the hair wasn't even dyed at the roots. Like they didn't do a good job of dyeing her hair. Yeah, it's like blonde, and then it's like like orange on the outside. Yeah, it felt like it wasn't <laughs> supposed to be intentional because I thought it was supposed to be like a bright orange because the poster also shows it like the same way. It's just super like, yeah, this they, they, they it's like practically a redhead, but in the movie, on the poster it's like she looks like a redhead, but in the movie it's a very light orange, you know. Yeah, I think, I don't know, maybe that was intentional, I don't know. Right. Uh, it might be just, you know, overlooking <laughs> cosmetic. Yeah. And you might think that the tissue was more of like an aesthetic choice. And then you got, you know, you got your Colonel Sanders, if he was a colonel, right? The military dude. And oh he's my like, God. And he's like, I'd like to take pictures. And yeah, then, for scientific reasons. And then he's like, can I talk to her? And then he starts like, you know, gesturing. And then finally he comes to the point where he's like, you're going to have to communicate with us if you want to get this done. Yeah, I love how the scientists are like, oh, yeah, the tube is perfectly safe. And then she just, like, punches. <laughs> she breaks. Yeah, she breaks through. Yeah. Yeah. And she jumps out the building and falls on the taxi. Yeah. And that's uh, Bruce Willis' taxi. Yeah. Very ex machina right there. But okay. Yeah. It's just so... I mean, and then the police, right? They come and try to chase her, like, before she gets into the taxi. And they're, they're like, uh, they try to analyze her. And then it's so monotone, like, all the delivery. Like, she has no file. She dough off. It's just like maybe add some character, like you know, this is kind of important, right? Like the entire mm-hmm. military is on this. You got some of the best scientists working. Well, honestly, I don't think the cops care enough. Like they only yeah. chase after the cab when they spilled it. Like the cops after you know the stuff at McDonald's, and then the drinks got spilled. Then only they chase after the after the car after the cab. Yeah, I find it hilarious that they can't do their job properly. Like, 
I mean, they don't, I mean, there's one part that doesn't care much, right? There's like a couple of cars, like, I think there's one car with two guys stuck at McDonald's and they're more interested yeah. in picking out the and waitresses. Then the, dri- the, cab, the cab drives by and like spills their drinks. Yeah, yeah. And then they chase. And basically, yeah, they just, and they, it's just, it's like, it seems like they don't get paid enough to do this. <laughs> and so they're just, they're just going all out. Like, you know, like basically they just like shoot at sight. That's kind of their approach to everything. Yeah, like stormtrooper aim. Yeah, yeah. I've heard that a lot. Is that true? Like stormtrooper aim? Like they just aim at everything but person? Yeah, basically. Yeah. Uh, I think I think it was like just to keep the plot going and, you know, plot the main characters don't get shot by stormtroopers. But yeah, that's true. But the way they handle it is like Bruce Willis just hides somewhere like they can't find him. Like can't they just like do a search for this guy? Because it's a taxi. And, you know, everything is, like, automated. So why can't you just want the police have, like, data files of him at least? They should. I mean, he is, like, a, you know, he served in the military too. So you would have, like, some, you know, data. Right. We're, it would be so easy to find him. And, like, he's just traveling around. Well, then the movie would end there. And you can't have that. So Yeah, the movie you know, should. <laughs> to keep it going. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, I thought the way that was handled was, you know, it was just, like, all done for convenience then it's very excessive the movie i feel like it's very like excessive no like, even like... the the main weapon that you know the big gun that fires all this stuff yeah oh yeah that taxi it's has so one hell excessive. Of an armor. no that the taxi like oh my god that thing is oh insane. yeah no i think it's bulletproof yeah even an atom bomb wouldn't like <laughs> oh no no that has like thick plot armor no way yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's a that's that that might actually be a metaphor for like the plot armor in this movie. You know? <laughs> the plot armor of the taxi. Yeah, and then you got the you got some really cheesy music again during the chase scene. It's like something Arabian and then like some sort of Latin music and they combine both. I thought oh, that was really yeah. cool. like where do you think about the music choices for the chase scene? I think it fits the movie. Yeah, because I thought uh, like it fits the movie because the movie's like so like you know like whack yeah. so it it definitely fits and the fact that the production is like so bright there's no like dull visuals so like oh no, the music yeah. was a Everything lot more appropriate is, yeah. yeah so I like blade runner's like all dark and shadows this is like complete opposite yeah but blade runner's uh score is also like suited also suits it well like in the same way yeah yeah no, definitely yeah and it's very dreary so at the same time it's just sort of this there's like this feeling of hope and hopelessness that i often associate with blade runner when i hear the score i mean the score is fantastic but oh yeah definitely uh you want to talk about um ruby rod yeah, um, I want to I want to <laughs> talk about that, but before that, there's one scene where Corbin Dallas manages to find the priest just easily. Yeah, he just kind of shows up. Yeah, I was like, he's like, how do you how do you know where he lives? No, he's like, I just found you in the phone book, and I'm like, is it that easy to just get in contact with someone who's <laughs> like so high, like who has high contacts with the government? Like that's like that's like just walking into the door of your senator and being like, hey, what's up? And also, why do they have phone books in the year like? In the future yeah <laughs> that's such a good point <laughs> i'm just i'm just saying what why are the phone books in like 100 years from now yeah it should just be like call so-and-so person and just like like even in the 90s the phone books were dying i don't know why they thought let's let's put a phone book in this 
and yeah, like this was a point where I thought like, oh my God, this, this is like, this is like the boy equivalent of Wattpad fan fiction based on Star Wars. And I was like, <laughs> okay, let me take a look at this. So I paused the movie, then I went to Wikipedia and I found out that uh, the director basically wrote it when he was 16. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it changed much, but that's, but he said he wrote it when he was 16. This movie? Yeah. Oh my God. Well, that makes a lot of sense. That's why I'm saying like, <laughs> it makes a lot of sense. It feels, it feels, that's why it feels a little childish. So I, I wish it kept like the childish tone because, you know, there are movies written by kids too, you know, like um, one that comes to my mind immediately is super bad, right? So Seth mm-hmm. Rogen, uh, Seth Rogen, and I believe his name is Evan Goldberg, but they basically wrote the movie with the idea that they too would star in it and they would make it a Hollywood movie. But unfortunately, they grew a little older. Which is why, like, the characters' names are Seth and Evan, you know? And, uh, oh, okay. So yeah. they wrote this movie when they were, like, 17. And it's so funny. And it just, like, stays. It's so, re- it's so relatable. It's so funny. There are a lot of great moments. And, you know, there's also, like, an emotional tone to the story. Like, well, what does it mean to really graduate from high school? Is it important that yeah, you stay yeah. at the top? And a couple of things like that are hinted at. But this has none of that. And it has none of the charisma or personality that a sci-fi movie should have and it's really the really the thing that's going for this is mainly the production design and the visuals and the visuals I, are, think, I think that's why i like it so much like aside from the story which is like b plus at best mm-hmm. uh it's just like the visuals they're so iconic to me at least like like the set design the props and everything is so like absurdly iconic but every time I saw something, I was like, oh, this reminds me of Blade Runner. Oh, this reminds me of Indiana Jones. Oh, this kind of reminds me of Star Wars. And I'm just like, it seems like an interesting world in general, but I feel like not much is done with it. Like, it's gone to waste a bit, you know? Because you have such a run-of-the-mill story with this really interesting world, like, where everything seems to be so negative, right? On the other hand, this is like a very positive world with just like one minor inconvenience in the form of this giant ball of evil and i'm like you <laughs> yeah could ta- you could take this and i feel like you could expand it so much more and it'd be a lot more oh fun yeah to watch. So there's so much stuff happening in the background like you can easily like you know have a whole series about yeah, just because, this world yeah because all we see of new york is one the president's headquarters and two uh bruce willis's apartment or and the chase around new york which is like yeah really quick yeah yeah it doesn't even go on for that long because then you go to the priest and then he tries and then she, and he's like, oh my God, she's perfect. And they just keep saying that. They just keep saying she's perfect. And I don't know whether it's like, I mean. I don't know if the writers had a thing for, I don't know. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> okay, the writer for this movie was Luke Besson. The story is by him and the screenplay is uh-huh. by him and Robert Mark Kamen or Common. I hope, it, I think it might be Kamen, Robert Mark Kamen. So, but basically Luke Besson wrote the story and, you know, he did have a thing for, uh, Mila Jovovich because he ended up well that her. yeah that makes a lot of sense <laughs> <laughs> like like I, I I feel like no they keep using the word perfect in the context like when she's naked or like she's like changing her dress or things like yeah that. I know yeah so it's not like in terms of her intelligence or the fact that she's the fifth element which is what like you know like everyone keeps she keeps trying to say that she's hot but like you know I get the memo like I got it like <laughs> yeah even, the, the first few times is enough to understand what yeah like yeah. in case in case you didn't uh, think that she was hot <laughs> enough then they just like have a scene where bruce willis uh puts her in the shower in oh a, yeah in a, in a, for, mm-hmm. for a reason to hide her and then like the there's some auto wash in the shower and she's all wet and then she comes out 
And then she has to change her dress again. And the priest is like, oh my God, she's perfect because the priest is there in that moment. And it's just like, oh man. Yeah, it kind of goes over the top. Yeah. Some things. I think the, I think the one performance that I liked in this movie, other than Bruce Willis, because he's Bruce Willis, is yeah. probably Gary Oldman as Zorg. Oh, like, yeah. yeah. Do you, do I mean, uh, honestly, like, Chris Tucker is pretty good, too. Oh, you like Chris Tucker? Yeah. Oh, that's okay. That's good because I didn't like his performance at all. <laughs> I thought I, it fits the movie very well. I'll see how that. It would, but I, f- I feel like he just takes it up way too much. Whereas, like, Gary Oldman realizes the silliness of this plot and, you know, he just embraces it. Like, he just makes a really, he just takes a really bad southern accent and it makes it even worse. He has these long villain monologues. It's like watching an emo kid who became rich, right? <laughs> I mean, honestly, he, yeah, he has definitely those 90s emo vibes, the long hair. Yeah, he seems to understand. Yeah, he has it. 90s emo vibes for sure. Yeah. And then... And then um, that thing in his desk, like, saves his life. Yeah, the, the interaction <laughs> what is, between what him is, and the priest. What is that? What is that? No, the, I don't know. The, it's, the, like, like, it's like an elephant dog, elephant, and I think it's like... Yeah. Like... Like, okay, what's the, what, there were like a couple of dialogues that were really bad in that scene. It's like, he's like, I try to serve life and you only want to destroy it. And this is what the priest says to Gary Oldman. Uh-huh. And Gary Oldman says some similar type of dialogue back. You know, he goes on this long rambling about, it's like this very convoluted way with like tangential connections as to like how he serves life by destroying it. And it's like <laughs> not even smart. It's just like something you would expect the 11 year old to come up with, you know? Like in a, in an attempt to back answer you, it's like watching an older. I mean, that kind of is his. That kind of is his character, though. Like he's like true, immature. true, and that's like why the gun, the gun he made is like something like a five year old design. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It and has think, like rocket launchers, flamethrowers, like the works. The net, yeah. The net <laughs> and yeah, the poison arrows, arrows, yeah, yeah. And that's it's the just thing. so excessive, yeah. And he just embraces that all, and I think the priest does too, but. They all do this in an effort to make Bruce Willis like the straight, like macho man of sorts. And <laughs> and then you have Mila Jovovich, who's like supposed to be this hot girl, but she's all she's just there because she's actually the driving force for the movie, like on paper too, because she's the fifth element. Yeah, she's at the plot point. But, the whole movie. but at that point, like if not, if these characters are played by someone else, like. I don't know. Gary Oldman like actually did a great job because I'm pretty sure with someone else like I might have been bored, you know. Oh yeah, no, I think yeah, I agree. The Gary Oldman definitely uh, because er- everyone it's his else, role really, yeah, yeah, because everyone else other than Bruce Willis and Gary Oldman, they feel so bland, like cardboard and like so lifeless. Even even uh, Chris Tucker. Okay, since you said Chris Tucker. I'm going to I'm going to talk about Chris Tucker, okay? So 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 yeah, I was talking about how they're lifeless and then all of a sudden basically for the plot, uh Bruce Willis is given an assignment by the military to go to win he wins a competition to go to Floston's Paradise, which is basically outer space Hawaii, all right? Yeah, and then and you have Lilu Dallas multipass. Yeah, it's honestly and, the best best line of cinema right there. Okay. <laughs> Debatable. But we'll we'll proceed, all right? I mean, I mean, I understand how it's like iconic, but I don't know. I just didn't feel the same impact. But basically, no, I'm, I'm joking. It's just yeah, it's an iconic moment. No, even, if you, even if you weren't joking, like that's fine. I can <laughs> totally see like why people love the cheese of this movie and you know where. But it just didn't 
worked for me because everything else was so difficult to concentrate about, you know. And so, okay, so basically coming back to Floss and Paradise, it's basically Outer Space Hawaii and Bruce Willis. The military basically rigs this uh, contest made by Ruby Rod, played by Chris Tucker, on a two ticket, uh, to get two tickets to go to Floss and Paradise and watch like some opera singer uh, sing. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. So they rig it so that Bruce Willis wins. And then Bruce Willis yeah. has this conversation with his mom and he tells his mom to, you know, uh, go away kind of thing. Like he's not <laughs> taking her. And then basically he ends up going with Mila Jovovich uh, somehow to uh, Flossen's Paradise. And then you got mm-hmm. Ruby Rod on the same flight. And yeah, yeah. that's where Chris Tucker uh, comes in. He just comes, out, he just comes out of nowhere to irritate viewers. And, he has like his squad that holds yeah. up with him too. Yeah, it's like it's like watching, it's like watching an obnoxious social media influencer. That's what I thought it was. It honestly is. Uh, he predicted TikTok like twenty oh, years that? before. <laughs> oh, years I can before see that. Happened. Yeah, I can yeah, see that. Yeah, he's definitely e boy like uh, like f boy vibes. Um, yeah, I can I can <laughs> see that. And now that you mentioned it, I think it brings a lot more into perspective. Like, not that I still don't like him, but I think that's interesting you say that, like, the way he predicted uh, people on TikTok. He definitely, like, like Logan Paul kind of kind of guy. Yeah, like, like not just, not everyone on TikTok, right? You mean, like, you mean, like, those Like, uh, stereotypical, people? yeah. You know, like, uh, Hype House and stuff like that. I, I, I don't know what that is, but, um, wait, what is Hype House? It's like a question of like fourteen, like TikTokers in the house. Oh, LA. oh, oh. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm just gonna assume like they're like the loud, obnoxious people you're talking about. Stereotypical TikTok, you know, the ones that do dances. No, I, I but, know what I know what TikTok is. It's just that I've never really <laughs> gotten too much into it. <laughs> okay, but I'm I'm gonna assume that like whatever Chris Tucker does is similar to what they do in the hype house, it's like dancing and like a lot of talking. I mean, honestly, no. I think. Chris Tucker's character more embodies like you know like vloggers on YouTube, like yeah, you know like oh, social oh. media presence, like you know. Oh, so like um, oh okay, I, I know what you're talking about. Like All Jake right. Paul, like Logan Paul, like that's yeah, that's that's, that's, what, that's what I was gonna say. Okay, off. okay, and yeah. then yeah, everyone like in, just, your, like, in your face, like you know, like loud. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, I thought he was gay at first, but then. So oh, then he, not, then he has like, that was, an affair with That was an hostess. interesting twist. Yeah, that was an interesting twist. I want all positions. That was dude, I, an I interesting not, line. Dude, I did not find that interesting at all. I mean, there was like an ass shot of the <laughs> hostess and then he just, starts, he just starts acting creepy all of a sudden. Like, I don't know if it's like yeah, definitely stalker vibes. Yeah, I know. Yeah, this movie but, did not age well. Of this, um, in Me Too. I don't know. I, I feel like it's part of the character. Like, he's just kind of a sleazy person. Mm-hmm. On, in addition to being like a talk show host in like that year and like that period time period but mm-hmm. I, I, what i found even more creepy was basically bruce willis's attraction for uh lilu because yeah uh, that was kind of weird because she, i mean technically she's like a day old she doesn't even speak english properly it's like the priest <laughs> has to like teach her english and like teach her the history of the past five thousand years so yeah and that brings that that reminds me of another thing because like the police address her in English like as if she's going to understand and obviously she doesn't like this is before like she meets Corbin Dallas in the taxi but mm-hmm. before that you know the police ad- tries to address her in English like as if she listened and like did they not know like they just came through the same room that scientists were in wouldn't like 
they understand or like wouldn't science someone tell them like that she doesn't understand you would think yeah i don't know yeah okay yeah so back to that okay now that i pointed that out and i feel satisfied <laughs> by doing that but yeah they, coming back to chris tucker i just i just found him like out of place so he felt so annoying and i didn't find any of the comedy that great because the fact that bruce willis is playing the straight man to all of this absurd things going around him is just funny enough like the need for screaming when they fight with the manglers after the diva is shot during the performance oh my god yes that was okay that was a, like the action sequence was very like excessive yeah and then you had one separately for lilu as well right it was like you know like a michael bay before michael bay as a thing um but the thing is that michael bay's although michael bay is excessive as well i i do find this like fight sequences a bit cinematic at least but here was just like so and so shot so and so it just shot. stopped blowing up yeah yeah it felt yeah. like it, it was didn't just feel too amazing up. like it was it wasn't something that there was there were there was nothing in that scene that really astounded me because i was more so distracted by chris tucker screaming and like trying to <laughs> like commentary and i think it would have been funny enough but like none of the commentary is really interesting you know like he could it could be like a funny uh, like common like funny commentary of what's going on in the fight but you know it's just him like screaming the entire time that there're actually no uh funny lines yeah it's just him like screaming on top of his lungs under under a desk yeah that's just his his thing i mean but in but in movies like rush hour like the first one at least i i don't i, I can't say much about the second or third because i don't feel like they're as funny having seen mm-hmm. them but the first one has a lot of funny lines from chris tucker and you know he really just knows how to deliver and amplify that and his chemistry with jackie chan is pretty great in that movie but you know like in terms of comedy alone in the comedy aspect of the movie but yeah. you know, here it just doesn't seem to gel well with uh bruce willis like he doesn't have the same chemistry i mean cuz they're all kind of opposites yeah because like, chris tucker wise because i think he's chris very tucker, like loud and like you know yeah <laughs> because not since you've mentioned that he's loud like chris tucker and jackie chan i think that's the opposite like jackie chan's more quiet and his humor comes from like physical comedy like chris tucker's like Oh, which one of you kicked me and like being really loud and so it kind of gels well together but here bruce willis and chris tucker like their characters don't share like any chemistry like they're supposed to oh like, yeah no they're not they're not a lot not a lot yeah not a lot. yeah i i love the fact that like when they land in floston like corbin he's like always he's obsessed with lilu but then all of a sudden when she goes missing like he doesn't really care <laughs> he's just like whatever like they just put like um they put a what what is that necklace called like the flower necklace the lace yeah yeah they just put that and he just like kind of doesn't care because now he's like in a giant suite yeah distracted <laughs> also the you know the, like the security guards on the cruise are so lame mhm they have white shorts on and polo shirts like come on Really? I I actually like that. Yeah. I thought you would like that because it was it was like a it was like a ship that was going around in space. So I thought that's why the uniform like, no, no, really I, suited it. I get the comedy in it cuz like they're like prep boys but like not security guards. I mean, I'm trying to think of things in the performance I really like, but the only thing I can think of is that I I was just looking in Bruce Willis's face when he was watching Diva. And that was like the only time I really sympathized with like the pure look of agony that he had on his face <laughs> because I mean the performance wasn't that great either I don't know it, it was 
I think it's supposed to be like this. I don't know. It's, it, it felt like it was being demonstrated as a showpiece, right? But the, on, the whole purpose is that so that the whole purpose of the scene is so that Bruce Willis has a fight and Chris Tucker's screaming in the back. And then he manages to <laughs> save the diva. Yeah. And the diva said the stones are within her. So and, should, yeah, yeah, cut open. Yeah. And I don't know, man. I'm kind of, I'm trying to think of things. Like, if you have anything, do, do, you, do you find any other elements that you liked, like towards the end or anything? Like any themes? <laughs> I mean, it ends with a space beam. This is the most cliche thing ever. Uh, I don't know. I felt like Zorg coming in. Like, the thing was that Zorg was so obsessed with, like, going to Flossen's Paradise and getting those two tickets, but he couldn't. And then he just ended up coming on a ship. Like, I mean, couldn't he have just done that in the first place? Like, did you really? I guess. Yeah. I mean, he is, like, a multi-billionaire. So I don't know why yeah. he's, like... That's the thing. The movie hasn't aged well, like you said, and it just feels so dated, even on a technical level, except for like the practical effects and some of the production design and the costumes. You know, that adds to the che- the cheesiness of the story. But, you know, otherwise it feels so dated because this is like a late 90s movie that feels like an late 80s movie for some reason. Yeah, I think definitely because Bruce was it there too. Yeah, and yeah, there were just so uh. many parts that I that were like cringe inducing i mean i'm really i'm really trying not to be i'm like pulling at strings here you know like i'm really trying (laughs) to think of things but you know yeah and i'm just going through like some of the trivia right now so apparently uh mila jovich and uh chris tucker like working on the film and then they asked gary Oldman, what do you think of it and he's just like oh no i can't bear it you know and he said that he basically did this as a job you know like uh, that's to, to pay his bills, basically. Oh, so you like the training thing you just did too, you know, as a job. Okay. Yeah, because the director... But he did, he did a good job. I'll, I'll give him yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, no, he definitely did a good job. Yeah. And then when looking at themes, they talk about, like, capitalism and consumerism, like, because Zorg likes technology a lot, and then, like, every... And then often all the females are... Uh, either sexualized or like completely stripped of their femininity. Um, yeah. I'm just, I'm just going through the stuff that's written on Wikipedia <laughs> right now. And I'm just trying to see, but yeah, they talk about like, even in terms of subverting, there's this book called subverting uh, masculinity and in it, Stephen Brandt says that the film echoes stereotypical beliefs about gender of all females in the film, including Lilu. Um, oh, yeah, def- definitely, definitely. And then everyone else is as masculine, is not as masculine as possible, except for the president, right? Uh, everyone else is pretty clumsy, like Rod, like he's just supposed to be loud, and Cornelius is very clumsy, right? Mm, yeah, and definitely. The, and then the, the colonel dude, right? Like his name is General, apparently, he has a name, General Munro. I don't remember hearing it, but. He's supposed to be stupid, and so like they're supposed to make Corbin look really good on screen. So, yeah. Which I think they kind of get at uh, a little bit. Like he definitely is the smartest one there. Yeah, but I never felt that intention. You know, I just never saw it at all. Like now, yeah, now that I'm reading yeah. about this, I don't see any of those themes of political corruption or you know an obsession with technology or anything. It just felt uh, very. Uh, very run-of-the-mill and very much expected like it feels like a very default movie in terms of story and themes you know 
Yeah, I can I can see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it definitely, like, plot-wise, there's not much there. Yeah, and they're talking about, like, okay, so there's one more thing I see. So there's Susan Hayward who said, and this is from a book, The Film to Luke Best, and I'm going through this on Wikipedia as well. She says mm-hmm. that um, it talks, it's a classic story of a man making his break from the tribe, proving his manhood and overthrowing the malevolent forces and killing the chief, blah, blah. Okay, so it's about the declaration of love and stuff. And you know how <laughs> sort of love kind of ties in to like, it's, it's important and like ties humans together. But it just comes off as really creepy in this film. And then, yeah, the, the relationship between, you know, Lilo Dallas and... Yeah, and then she also says yeah. that it considers, the issue, it considers the issue of environmental damage so far as, like, waste and pollution are visible, but I don't know, I didn't really see much. I, haven't, I didn't see that. Yeah, yeah like, everything felt very clean and neat. Like, as a society, it was fine, except for this giant ball of evil. I don't know, maybe... I don't know, maybe a rewatch, but I'm not... I'm not I wouldn't look forward to that, like, <laughs> I don't know if I would rewatch this because I was kind of like, oh my god, it's how much is left? It's like it's only two hours long, but it feels like two and a half. That's another thing. The pacing isn't that good. Yeah, uh, what, what jumps around. That's okay, true, my, my thing is like okay, the plot is like a B for me. Mm-hmm. Acting it has some highlights, but the reason why I like this movie is that just because like it's just so iconic. I think the thing is that there's supposed to be some tension, but I never feel it at all. Like, I never feel like these characters are in danger, ever. Because, oh, like, no. The fight yeah. scenes no, are Bruce, all this Bruce was just too... He's like, I don't know, like, he's never the person to be in danger. Like, he's... He has control of everything. I know, but you watch movies like Die Hard, and it's like, you actually, like, care. Like, it's actually... Like, Die Hard is actually such a well-done movie, you know? Like, there's oh, yeah, an element no. of danger. The first one, yeah. He's stuck in this building his family, you know, all those aspects. And they all really tie in here. Steps on glass. Yeah, here there's nothing to root for. And on top of that, he's like this creepy guy who lusts for like this woman who was created in a tube (laughs) and who can, who basically has a, she's basically like a day old, like a day or two old in this movie. That's it. Yeah, like mental capacity isn't developed at all. I mean, not the mental capacity. I mean, physically, if you think about it, she's like only two days old, maybe in the movie. Like at the most a week, maybe. But depending on how the movie's spaced out. But then at the same time, she has like, she, she's intelligent as well. So, but she never really shows too much of it. Like her intelligence is just so that she just types in war, like in the keyboard or whatever at the end, after they get all the zones. Yeah, that was a kind of weird scene. Yeah, she types in war and then she sees all this stuff, like all these pictures of like bombs and like military and all that stuff. And like, I don't know, we're supposed to feel bad, but I don't, but I can't really care because it's not like Lilu isn't capable of violence. Like she literally fought off all those. uh, The gods in the government facility. Yeah. Yeah. All the Manglures and all those people. Like she, she, yeah. And those fight scenes weren't even that great either. Like there's no subtlety to like how they, promote the message of love being the focus of the film, you know? Yeah, it is kind of over with that. Mm. It's kind of, you know... Did you find anything interesting about, like, the direction or cinematography? Uh, No, I think it's pretty well in the middle, actually. Like, it uses pretty standard, like, tropes. And on top of that, yeah, I feel like there's some sort of suffocation. Like, I feel like there's something good, like, 
there's some there's a, like a pot of gold hidden within this movie and you just had to find it and like really show that but you know there's no sense of danger i don't really care about the motivations it's just really gary oldman who i like but there are actually a couple more bad guys too right you know yeah the aliens yeah like the mangalores and then on top yeah. of that there's one more right who's the last one uh the evil space ball oh yeah so you have three bad things <laughs> uh one of them not really human the other two sort of have human and the thing is to never meet like the main characters barely interact with any of them yeah no i like the fact that they don't meet it's just like evil doesn't you don't need to meet evil in order to like there's no there's no it. face on confrontation between any of them yeah there's no face on confrontation which i like but at the same time like the confrontation is supposed to be like they should be facing each other but they really don't I think the yeah, thing is that, I think the main problem with this is that you know I think the giant ball of evil is supposed to be like your main villain but it ends up being Gary Oldman because you don't see much about the giant ball of evil it's just like this element It's just in the background. Yeah. And it, it kills eats a ship and then it's gone. Yeah. yeah, and Gary Oldman on the other hand feels more menacing and more dangerous. I mean not much but you know somewhat because he's always present. and he's the one yeah, who's actually yeah. creating problems for these guys like nobody else is the manglers just the manglers are like just a bunch of people lumped together into one alien race and it's like a faceless blob almost yeah you know? exactly yeah. i wish there were some character to the manglers because that way i could feel some tension or some sense of danger you know at least in the fight scenes because the i think that's the main reason why that fight scene with, between bruce willis and the manglers at the opera didn't matter you know yeah it's very like empty it just action 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 nothing in between and that's the thing and then at the end do you want to talk about the end where he with uh, the, the sky beam he kisses her and yeah. then in the tube that was just weird i didn't i didn't like that at all oh okay <laughs> okay i thought you might have liked that because not like the kiss but like the sky beam and stuff i thought that was kind of and okay, i'm the really sky beam was it was the sky beam is overused like every sci-fi has a sky beam i always think of like independence day when i hear sky beam yeah, like yeah yeah something like, being blasted at the white house <laughs> yeah it's pretty overused in uh you know cinema yeah but when did independence day come out this came out independence day came the out the 80s like, it's the 80s it's not Is it? it's this definitely 90s but i i want to say before fifth element I think so. Okay, I just searched on Independence Day and I got 4th of July, but give me a second. Um 1996, so a year before. Yeah. Um oh, yeah, okay. so 1996. Yeah, but I thought this but the effects in Independence Day are actually really good and they really suit the tone. Like Yeah, yeah, they all visual effects. It's still self-aware. CGI, yeah. yeah, and they all have great performances, right? Like Bill Pullman and Will Smith and Jeff Goldblum. Like, yeah. Yes, it's much more strong. I mean here also there's actually a pretty decent cast but I don't know I just never got the same effect. Everything is just like I don't know everything tries to call attention to itself too much and as a result like I'm never able to have like any focus. You can't anywhere. focus on one yeah it definitely is a lot of like stuff going on at once. Mhm. You can't really focus on one thing. Yeah. I don't know I just wish it just embraces the silliness you know rather than like going through the serious thing about being about love and stuff you know i mean i mean i think the concert of love itself is cheesy but it doesn't feel cheesy towards the end even if it's supposed to and i just can't 
wrap my head around it why maybe it's the way they did it it's like she like all her problems with like war and violence are gone when he's like okay you know what i'm gonna take somewhere safe we're gonna go on a vacation and then he kisses her and it's like oh you know what war <laughs> and violence doesn't exist at all so i'm just gonna go with this guy whom i don't even know properly and this just, creepy dude he's like in his 40s yeah why not yeah what could go on wait is he in his 40s in the movie yeah he probably is he's not like young Ah, uh, that's true yeah because yeah. he's married once already in the movie right yeah yeah <laughs> yeah okay yeah and he asked that divorce and i don't know man it feels like everything just tied up somehow somewhat and then it tries to present some happy ending like as if everything just went all right and you know i just left i at the end of the movie i felt a bit empty you know like i got nothing that i really like from it apart from like some of the practical effects and the production design i think that's why i mean for me too the plots so so like i said before it's just the you know the way it's designed the plot and how, how it's like filmed and mm-hmm. like just the uh, effects and the pl- uh props of the movie itself yeah and then you cut to this freeze frame of them like just making out at the end inside the tube that was just creepy as hell. I didn't like that at all. That was weird. Like the president comes to visit them, and then the scientists, like you know, they're kind of busy. Uh, in the middle of yeah, busy. <laughs> it's like okay, um, yeah, this is definitely written by a sixteen-year-old. I was like, okay. Yeah. Then yeah. Now same day is a sixteen-year-old Miss Lost Sense now. Like yeah, and even the effects. Like I thought the visual effects were good for the first part, but then they just kind of kept getting worse. Like they didn't look as good towards the end i don't know like the space ball was kind of ch- like yeah bad. yeah the yeah. evil the evil ball was kind of yeah some of the parts didn't look really good like they they look like there are, i i feel like there are 80 sci-fi movies that look a lot better than even uh, 2001 was better i mean 2001 is in another league so we can't really yeah i'm just saying like special effects wise it's like Compared to things like India, Indiana Jones, right? Like it's got. I think like Star, Star Wars. Yeah, Star Trek yeah. stuff like that. You know. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, the visual effects and all those are great. Like the TV show for Star Trek, I've seen a couple of episodes and they look pretty nice. You know, for the most part. And here it's just like I don't know. It does. It doesn't match up like to Independence Day. I think Independence Day is a fair comparison because they were released in the same time frame, like a year apart. But yeah. But I mean, just looking but, at this, yeah. I was yeah. It didn't feel. Like, I never felt that Enthu, like, it's not that Independence Day is that great either, but I'm just saying, like, I, there are a lot more things I like about Independence Day than Fifth Element. I mean, since you like the movie, is there anything that you like apart from, like, the production design and practical effects? For me, it's like, it's like a cheap, like, thrill. Like, something just pass the time. It's like one of those movies you put on when you're, like, bored. You, you don't expect to get much out of it, but just it's just one of those movies, you know? You just like have a fun time with it yeah 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 like when i'm watching i don't think too deeply about you know the plot holes or like, you know the you know characters i just you know it's just for a fun movie to yeah. watch you like you kind of disconnect your mind and just enjoy the visuals and yeah yeah that's how i watch it at least i don't know i for me it's not something i sit down and analyze like in most other films i just you know mm-hmm. so so what do you what do you consider like more of a guilty pleasure of sorts or Kinda, yeah. It's kind of like this. Like, it's enjoyable. It's in like general. it's like you know, like Marvel movies. Right. I mean, those those yeah, those those all in the Marvel movies, all right? Like you can't compare those with these. 
like I mean, if you think about like Marvel movies, like Bad the way ones. they balance tone and character is way way better than just I mean like the bad ones in Marvel um I mean when you talk about bad bad ones like I don't know I like Iron Man 3 and stuff oh I actually like Iron Man 3 I was thinking of like Thor like Thor 2 oh that too yeah 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 Iron Man 2 is also not that great actually so since you mentioned Iron Man I'm trying to think of like movies that I don't like Iron Man 2 um Captain Marvel Captain Marvel actually feels bland like in sort of the same way that I think about Fifth Element you know like, this is yeah, a lot of, like, used, faith fighting yeah. and stuff like that. And in the end, it all just fizzles out. Like, any enthusiasm that I have, like, I think Captain Marvel, I might have similar feelings about Captain Marvel and Fifth Element. Like, in terms of how uh, they're presented as films, like, they all just feel, they feel, but they both feel a little empty despite having so much in them. Yeah, I can see that for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Basically, the only thing I like is this, I mean, for me, it's like iconic. Mm-hmm. It's an iconic movie. And, uh, yeah, because it won BAFTA. Which is very memorable. Yeah, it won BAFTA awards. It won like stuff at the Caesar Awards, which is basically like the Academy Awards, but in France. Uh, it received yeah. an award at Cannes Film Festival, but then it also received nominations at like the Golden Raspberry and like Stinker's Bad Movie Awards. Yeah, yeah. And on on a box office level, this actually performed pretty well because this was a French production, so it was like the mm-hmm. highest grossing French film at international box office. Like it had a famous cast. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, none of the that's cast is really why. French, right? It's more of like the production and cinematography, like all these people. Yeah, the director of the French, but other than that, it's awesome, you know. Yeah, the producer, too. And, uh, yeah, it has a French a title as well, like Le Sinikime Element. So, I don't know how to pronounce it, but I'm, I'm really, I know I'm really butchering it, but, yeah. But, but everything else is English, like the language, the speak, and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I I kind of like the fact that the alien just choose to speak in English, like there's no translation between them or anything. Like no, I, th- I think they're smart. They're smart enough to know English, or maybe humans are dumb enough to not know their language. I don't know. Either way, or just you know make it easy for the plot. The plot. <laughs> Every- <laughs> just make everything easy for the plot, guys. Yeah, I but think yeah. that's what this movie is. Make it easy for the plot, because I yeah. I doubt that. They wanted to make it their own language just for like a scene. So uh-huh. much work. No, so but they did. They, but, they did make, but they made the divine language, right? Like the language that Lilo speaks in the beginning. Like they actually oh. made a language for that. They, I think the, yeah. I, think, I think the director made about I don't know nine hundred words or something. I don't know. Basically, they kept practicing it over and over again. So basically, Mila Jovovich is selected through an audition process. Yeah, and so um, it's a basically a fictional language with only 400 words invented by the director himself, Besson. So they like wrote conversations and letters to each other, Besson and Jovovich, to, as practice. So. Oh yeah, I heard about that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm really not getting much from this, you know. I mean, I think I think the way to see it is probably the way you said. Like, I think just going in with, you know. A disconnected mind and like trying to just enjoy it yeah very low expectations yeah like you shouldn't expect much from this movie except from like good visuals and like a fun time so do you want to oh yeah one more thing it was nominated at the academy awards for best sound editing but it lost to titanic i think and yeah that's about that's all i had to say about it um it won a lot of awards for technical in the terms of technical aspects, but it often got the Raspberry Awards for like 
the acting. So, yeah, Raspberry Award. Acting was pretty good. Acting for certain was pretty good. The way the here Raspberry Awards, I see like okay, so worst supporting actress Mila Jovovich and worst new star Chris Tucker. <laughs> nice. But at the same time, Mila Jovovich was nominated for best supporting actress in Saturn Awards. The Saturn oh. Awards are like the sci-fi movie awards. In, like, yeah, movie, yeah. Right. So yeah, yeah. So ratings and final thoughts. Out of five, hmm, two point five. Okay. Actually, uh, no, a three. I give it a three. You give me a three? Just because the visuals. All right. I'm 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 giving this yeah. one a two out of five, yeah. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> I'm, I'm really trying to think of things that I really like and I really dislike about this film. And, you know, it's just that other than some of the nice designs, like, I really don't have anything else that I can take from this movie. And, you know, when I go into a movie, I do... I mean, like a sci-fi movie, like I expected a lot more considering its reputation, but at the same time, I knew it was polarizing and maybe I just ended up on a side that didn't end up liking it as much. So yeah, two out of five for me. Yeah, that's fair. I understand that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know. I know. I, 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 could see, I could see myself potentially giving this a three out of five had there been some more interesting elements in the plot and the performances mm-hmm. and if there was a lot more focus on like a singular villain maybe like who was more menacing and dangerous but since those things weren't there i just felt like i just felt disappointed by the end and very annoyed by chris tucker especially so <laughs> yeah yeah i really didn't like him in this movie so I just, he just felt so out of place for some reason despite being what he was supposed to be so two out of five yeah and uh i have a recommendation for our next episode Ooh. Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to go with uh, David Lynch film. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to be recommending The Elephant Man. Oh, I've heard about that one. Yeah. So this is. Isn't it uh, black and white? I believe so. I think, yeah, it's, it is black and white, I think. Um, the thing is, yeah, it is black and white. The thing is that why I find this interesting is because it's not one of like David Lynch's own movies like it's not based on something uh, it's a historical it actually, no actually it is based on something unlike most of his films which are like yeah just sort of from his mind you know like Eraserhead and blue velvet and stuff like that they're all just written by him but elephant man is interesting because he adapts something yeah it's based off a real person i think right actually yeah it's based on a real person actually never mind one second there's a film called wild of heart with nicholas cage that is based on something else though i'm wrong about that one I'm going to correct myself right there. Uh, he's, done a, he's done a couple more things that are probably based on other things. But this is basically based on a real person called Joseph Merrick, uh, who was a severely deformed man in late 19th century London. London. Ooh, that's going to be interesting. Okay. Yeah, late 19th century London. So like, you know, like yeah. freak shows and all that stuff is still going on at the time, like circus. Yeah, so. yeah. Okay. So, yeah, it's so a, it's it's a historical drama film, and yeah, it just sounds very David. It's I feel like it's something like that would immediately attract David Lynch. Uh, so that's the recommendation: The Elephant Man, nineteen eighty, directed by David Lynch, uh, starring Anthony Hopkins, John Hurt, Anne Bancroft, Wendy Hiller, John Gilgood, and Hannah Gordon. I look forward to watching this. Yeah, I, I like Anthony Hopkins. Yet. So yeah. Yeah. Westworld and Sounds of the Lambs. Yeah. This, will, this will be fun. All right. So that's my recommendation. And 
So yeah, we have our socials linked in the description if you want to follow us, our Instagrams. Uh, mine is Hamza9, H-U-M-Z-A-A-H-9. Yeah, and mine is my name, Rishabh Poikil, and both are linked in the description if you want to follow us. And that's about it. So this is the end of the episode, and see ya. Thanks for listening.